0: My message is a message about conquering adversity. I want to identify what it is. I want to talk to you about why obstacles so often associate with opportunity. For example, the Apostle Peter, when he walked on water, how many of you think that walking on water story is fabulous? And it stimulates your faith that you too want to step out of the boat of conformity and of mediocrity, and you want to walk on water. You want to have your miracles in life, right? Well, if you remember, it wasn't like a glassy sea. I grew up by San Diego Mission Bay, and it had a natural bay up in uh, Long Beach. They built a breakwater, and it causes the inside of the, the wall, they call it, to be very calm. It stops the swells of the, the, the turbulence of the tide, and it creates a calm so that the ships won't be rocked all over the place. But that was not the case for the moment of Peter. What was happening? What was the atmosphere like when Peter was walking, stepping out of the boat? What was it like? Stormy, right? What was happening? Wind was blowing, waves were crashing, turbulence underfoot, right? And as long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he was all right. You remember the story, though? When he diverted his eyes and looked to his circumstances, he started to sink. Uh, You'll never hear me complain about Peter sinking, You'll never hear me complain about Peter falling asleep at a prayer meeting because I have fallen asleep at prayer meetings. And it's funny too, almost every week somebody walks up to me and apologizes, Pastor Jeff, I'm so sorry, I've been working the night shift and I fell asleep during your meeting. I said, well, first of all, I didn't notice. Secondly, no problem. And then they go, oh, and they think, why did I even tell them? <laughs> but I learned, here's what I've learned. If anybody falls asleep during one of my meetings, that means the Prince of Peace has ascended on you and delivered you from insomnia and brought you into the presence of the rest and peace for your souls. Come on. Right? So is he having us clap about that? This won't, get you, this won't get you to sleep. This is gonna stir, this message is gonna stir your heart. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse eight, Paul the apostle, Saul of Tarsus, a Benjamite Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, highly educated, apparently prominent in position. He was a Roman citizen. He was part of the diaspora, the dispersed Jewish people. Their people had been oppressed through the Babylonian captivity, now the Roman deal. Their families were kind of detached and so forth. And Saul is thriving in his Jewish faith, and he's adamant against people embracing Jesus as the Lord and Messiah. He's on his way to Damascus with certificates to try to stop them. And instead, he has a radical conversion on the road to Damascus. And the one he had persecuted, Jesus, confronts him. said, how long are you going to resist? How long are you going to kick against my prompting? And uh, he fell to the ground. He said, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And he said, go to this house and I'll show you what you must do. And he goes and Ananias lays hands on him, prays over him. He gets a three-part calling. He said, he's a chosen instrument of mine. He's called to reach the Gentiles, kings, and the house of Israel. Everybody say that. Gentiles, kings, and the house of Israel. So now, if you read about Paul, first introduction is in Acts chapter seven. That's the first mention of him where he's persecuting, chapter eight, and then chapter nine is his conversion. And then you go throughout the chapters of the book of Acts and you see his increments of calling he tells the Galatians, the gospel I received did not come from man or the agency of man. It came by revelation from God. He had a lot of contention from the other apostles. He had some big struggles. Uh, you can read in sections of scripture where he was beaten so many times. He said, in much endurance, afflictions, hardships, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, tumults, labors, sleeplessness, hunger, purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, Holy, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. In the word of truth and the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness, for the right hand and for the left, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers and yet true, unknown and yet well-known, dying and yet behold we live, punished and yet not put to death, sorrowful yet not, yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing all things. <laughs> That's kind of a summary of some of the stuff that he had to go through. And then, uh, you know, he talked about this, and I want to read this to you so I don't get ahead of myself, 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9, but I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. Has anyone ever heard what, uh, the word FOMO? Does anybody know what FOMO means? It's an acronym. What does it mean? Fear. Fear of missing out. FOMO. Has anyone ever heard of it? Who has not heard of it? Who has lived it? There's so much uh, built into culture. The eyes of a man are never satisfied. And there's almost a discontent. There's weapons of mass distraction, but also there's a contentment deficit disorder. So much so that Paul had to say that godliness is a means of great gain when it's accompanied with contentment. And we're to be content with the roof over our head and the air we breathe and the basics of life and be people of gratitude. You know, there's sometimes this... A sense, an unsettledness of, man, I shoulda, woulda, coulda. And sometimes it'll creep up on you. Man, if I had just done this, if I had just pursued this, if I had gotten this major in college, if I had married this person, if I had lived in this town, if I had done this, if I shoulda, woulda, coulda. And you can get, that's almost like a disease. It's paralyzing. Makes you second guess, makes you hesitate. And uh, we've got to get restored to the conviction that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all the truth. And that as we follow, Paul even said, "Be followers of me, as I am of Christ." So we, as we set our toes in the direction of God and we seek after Him, we can trust that our steps are ordered by the Lord, and that God will actually help us to steer our feet from every evil way, so that we may keep His word, not veering to the left or the right, keeping our eyes on Him. Amen. Amen. We have nothing to control or say about what we've done, done with the past, and in fact. Paul said, forgetting those things which lie behind and reaching forward to those things which lie ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. So in 1 Corinthians 16, 8, he's saying, man, I'm going to remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. I remember when I was a junior in high school, I was born in the Bay Area of San Francisco. Then I spent most of my youth in the Bay Area of San Diego. So I always lived by the salt water mountains nearby. And uh, then my dad got the transfer to St. Louis. My dad made a career move and uh, my heart was crushed. I had just become a Christian and I was just plugging into church. And then I, when I was displaced, I, I, didn't have any, I didn't follow up and I didn't find a good church. So I drifted for a while and, and uh, it was a very rough transition. But yet, you know, when I moved here, it actually was a God thing. The Lord Jesus was actually having something to say about it. And even though I felt indifferent to it and upset about it and was whining, God had a plan. I attended Bible school with Patsy and we moved to Europe and we were going to plant there and preach in the nations because we had a burden for Europe and still do. We had wonderful open doors of favor, such favor. And uh, the Lord prompted us by fasting and prayer, go to St. Louis. We came here. I served in a setting for a pastor for seven years. I learned a lot. I'm grateful for the opportunities I was given. There were aspects of difficulty and hardship with it. What else, wherever? I mean, that's, Paul said, endure hardship as a soldier. You know, soldiers really have to endure hardship. If you study World War I, and it was trench warfare, it was awful. Those trenches would fill with water, and I mean, they just stick their head up and get shot, it was just crazy. They had so much suffering and sacrifice to hold the front there to hold back evil. So we're to endure hardship. And in fact, this is part of how we overcome hindrances. We just realize, hey, that's just the way it is. But yet, we get gritty about it and trust that God, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. You know, I'm in a room here full of people that are really living life. There's a widow and a widower over to my right. And they're here on the front row. Not whining. Persevering. Tears. Real hurt, real loss, real God, bringing them through, really. People in here have been through some stuff. We're, we're seasoned. We're more than conquerors. Jesus has a beautiful plan. His purposes shall surely come to pass. And so in the case with Paul here, but so many years back, this is a snapshot of history where he said, a great door of effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. The other day, some of my kids had some magnets and I'm fascinated by the physics of magnets and the the polarity of them. You ever notice, you get magnets lined up right, they attract. But if you turn one around, they repel. With the world, there is opposition. There's resistance. That's why the Bible teaches us to resist the devil, that he may flee from us. Last week, I showed you that amazing photography of the brown bear and the salmon going up to spawn, and it's swimming literally up a waterfall. And then I was talking about how what that salmon did behind the story right after that picture was snapped was that it looked up at the bear's mouth and said, oh no, I will not be lunch today. And then it it veered and it careened and ricocheted off the gigantic fang of that brown bear. That's actually what the salmon did. Hey, how many of you Christians feel like, that was me, I just barely missed the jaws of the bear? How many of you feel like, yeah, I've got some marks of deflecting off of the fangs of the bear, man? That's called victory, that's called God delivering us, that's called grace, and he always causes us to triumph. And there are lions and tigers and bears, but yet, having done all to stand, we stand. Next time you feel like you're in a situation where lions are there, you could go, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but I resist him firm in my faith. And Paul the Apostle is saying, hey guys, I'm going to remain in Ephesus till Pentecost. Why? Because a great door for effective service has opened to me. This appeals to me because God has called us to be servants of the Lord. Paul called himself routinely, he called himself a bond servant. A lot of people complain, I feel so used. Well, we prayed when we first got saved. Here am I, Lord, use me. How, you know, it's like, I feel so used. Well, join the club. Paul said he was poured out on the sacrifice and service of their faith. He was like a drink offering. Let me tell you how Paul felt, how Paul felt used. He said, I was in far more labors, far more imprisonments, beating, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I had spent in the deep. See, when I got lost at sea, I thought, I just kept thinking, Jeff, prepare for three days. Prepare for three days. That's what I got in my mind. Prepare for three days. You're going to be out here for three days. Pace yourself. Don't panic. You know, just prepare. Don't throw away the spear. Don't take your belt off. Don't take your weight belt off. You've got buoyancy. Just stay. And I heard that there was a New, a New Zealander that got lost at sea. He started going kind of crazy because the blood runs from your brain, to, from your extremities to your, your vitals, and it affects your thinking. And so he took off his, his rubber gloves, and his hands got really damaged by the salt water. He, they found him four days later. I found that out, you know. They're not as uh, Baywatch rescue-oriented as they are here. In America so I needed the Lord Jesus and he he delivered me in fact Ruth was born in 1926 and she was at her house and she said we need to pray for Pastor Jeff and it was uh, it was even in consideration of the international date line she picked it up this shows me there's no distance in the spirit and God's not confused by time zones it's like oh wait a minute it's 530 But I thought, I was thinking of Eastern time. He doesn't do that. See, that's not even funny to you because you know that he transcends time and space. And he's, he's the master of it. He's bigger than all of this. He's trustworthy. And Paul got a hold of this. Paul really understood how big and great and specific the Lord Jesus is. And that's what caused him to motor through the hardships and press on to the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what helped him, and we draw from lessons learned by this key point. I want to just read this to you now. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, he says, A wide door for effective service has opened to me. Can we all read that out loud? For a wide door for effective service has opened to me. Okay, now, you Bible scholars will say, That is, for Paul the Apostle, specific for maybe 35, 40 A.D. Okay, right? Historically, that's the case. But you can see in other passages where God opens up doors. In fact, in John chapter 10, Jesus is actually called the door. He is the way maker. He's the truth. He's the life. In Daniel's day, he got a revelation that when people seek God, like you and I are doing right now, sitting at the Lord's feet, paying attention to his word, stuff can download, stirrings can happen, impartations can come, things can be settled, revelation can pop in, reminder can be stirred up by way of reminder. Your faith can be roused and stirred by the hearing of the word of God. And I propose to you that generally this is God's pattern. He opens a door no man can shut. He told the Philadelphia church in Revelation chapter 3, after he had to rebuke the Ephesians and so forth, Thyatira, Laodicea, he said, hey guys, hey Philadelphia church, because you've been faithful, you've kept my name, you've you stayed steady, and you have a little power, I'm telling you I'm going to open up a door for you that no man can shut. That's what he told Joshua and Caleb. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you. So as we motor through life and we go through the myriad of challenges and trials, We are designed to be realistic about them. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord, everybody say, but the Lord, Lord. will deliver them from them all. Can I tell you a quick story about Davina? Davina was of Indian descent, and her family migrated over to the beautiful island of Mauritius in the Indian Ocean right near Madagascar, which is near Africa, in between India and Africa. And she had a math aptitude stellar intellectual math math aptitude, and so started to pursue being an actuary. So she got a full-ride scholarship to what she thought was Northwestern University. Only when they researched it a little bit more, they found out it was Northwest Christian College. So they went, wait a minute, they thought it was like this more Ivy League type of deal, but they got a free-ride, full-ride scholarship. That's awesome. And so the dad and the mom, they're Hindu in their background, they said, well, Let's just go with it, and, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity. Let's just do it anyway. So when they got there, Davina got to be part of the student body, and then they had chapels. And I'm really, these are my new heroes, because they presented the exclusivity of Jesus, not in a heavy-handed way, but they didn't waffle. And to a young Hindu mind who believes in many, many gods. And we've talked about this. I've talked to people in the church. Uh, one guy got on the phone with me, a very in, a genius guy. And we talked for about two hours about Jesus being the only way. And that he said, well, I believe Jesus is the Lord. But he couldn't believe he was risen from the dead. And he broke down crying. And I was trying, and he, you know, as he was leaning on his logic, and I was trying to explain to him, this is paramount. This is part of what you buy into in your step of repentance. You've got to acknowledge just how amazing Jesus is. He's not just some great history guy that is so interesting with some kind of ethics. I mean, I think about President Jefferson extracting Paul's revelation out of the gospels because he was annoyed by miracles and stuff. And he kind of, it's like, who does that? You know, I collect Bibles. I found the Jefferson Bible. It's like, where's all the, where's all the meat? Where's the beef? You know, like who would do that? You got to take it in its totality. So here, Davina said even, hey, I, I'm willing to receive Jesus along with my other gods. And somebody at the school politely said to her, but exerted, hey, no, Jesus is the only way. And so eventually, Davina surrendered her life to the Lord. She, by the way, is really an interesting, committed Christian. Her mom and dad visited here for about three months. Beautiful, kind-hearted. It was like they, they were part of us. and they were, It was so, I have goosebumps thinking how God used that Christian school to roll up their sleeves and impact. And now they're back and they've, they're telling me what they're doing in their own community for the Lord and how the gospel can sweep through hallelujah because of one heart being changed and then one family being changed. And I think about Paul the apostle pushing, pushing, pushing to try to get into Turkey. He taught in a school of a man named Tyrannus for two years and it created a synergy that did, it did foster impact. There are keys to nations, in other words. There are perfect timetables if we'll follow the Holy Spirit. And we don't need to be all freaked out. We can trust Him. We don't want to re- over-relax and just float and do our own thing, nor do we want to be super FOMO, fear of missing out, and get overly rigid and freak out. We just need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And the, the, the good news is the Holy Spirit has been poured out, and He is present And he takes from Jesus and he reveals to us. And in fact, when Paul was trying to get into Bithynia and this place in Turkey, the the Bible says that the Holy Spirit forbid him, which just shows how good God is. How good God is that he will, I guess Paul was type A and really a driven kind of guy, zealous. He said he was. He was zealous in in Judaism. He was zealous to persecute the church. He was fervent. So I suppose you know he was pushing, and yet the Lord said, "Hey, go to take a nap." He took a nap. He had a dream of a man. Can anybody tell me where he was from? Macedonia, Macedonia, which is just south of what is now modern-day Kosovo. And he actually went, and the Lord led him. I, I, there's a Macedonia man who needs you, and I want to tell you what I learned as ministry. There's a distinct difference between human sympathy and godly compassion. And if you and I could learn this, because we don't want to be indifferent and and cold-hearted, then we don't want to go to the other extreme and be so yielded to everything that we just try to fix everything, because then compassion fatigue can just wear you down, and your energies can be overly dissipated. And uh, Paul was always, in fact, even in Acts chapter 9 in his conversion, the Lord spoke to Paul with his scales on his eyes and basically said in the King James go to this place, this certain city, and it'll be shown to you what you must do. And in fact, Patsy and I have gone into places for prayer. There was a period of time in my Christian life where I would go to England and I would pray in England and I would always come back with a fresh word from the Lord. And I don't turn that into magic like, man, I need to go to England now to pray. But I just did notice, and maybe it was because I got out of my predictable routine and just got to get away, Jesus would often slip away. Maybe your slip away is like what I've been doing lately, getting out of the house and sitting in the car and putting the seat down. And when they look out of the window to try to find you, you hide. (laughs) Back to this. A wide door for effective service is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Well, how do we overcome these adversaries? I want to go to the signature verse that the Lord gave me for you today. Philippians the fourth chapter, and I want to show you what Paul basically said of how we can and will overcome. Say, I am an overcomer. Amen. In all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer, it says in Romans 8, 37. All these things. All these things. My brother, Trey, he's out there serving. He sent out a Christmas card. Linda was not on there. She's went to be, she went home to be with the Lord. He said on the back of the card, we are. he wrote it in his pen, we are a miracle. Say that with me. I am a miracle, (laughs) given what you've been through. God brought you through since you were a kid. Don't you know that? Has a purpose for your life. He's working on you. He's dealing with your attitude. Paul went to Macedonia instead of Turkey, and he went to the town to find the synagogue because that was his custom to preach in the temple. No temple. You had to have a certain number of Jewish men in a town to justify the building of a temple. And there weren't enough, so they had worship by the river. And they met a lady. Does anybody know the entrepreneurial business owner, CEO, who sold purple? Let's read this. Here's what Paul said. You want to know how to deal with adversity? Everybody say, deal with it. Deal with it. Paul told Timothy, he said, first of all, as far as fear goes, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. But instead, he's wow. given you a big stack the deck, power, love, and a sound mind. He said, hey, cast your anxieties on the Lord, it says here in Philippians. Rejoice on the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He wrote this from a prison in Rome. He wrote about five other letters from the prison, from Rome. And, uh, but with this one, he wrote it from jail. Bad situation. And he said something. He said in verse 11, not that I speak from want or from lack or from need or according to need. We're not ever supposed to speak according to need. We're supposed to believe, and therefore we speak. Abraham called into being those things which did not exist because he knew that God called into being that which does not exist. And that's an interesting thing. That's not denial. It's not power, a mind over matter. It's not wishful thinking. It's not the power of positive thinking. It's just speaking God's word. He said, I don't speak from want. God is my supply. He said, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. This was helpful to me because when I worked at a certain point in my young life, and I, as a young man, thrived on activity and achievement and my role, and then I transitioned out for a one-year period, I had basically a sabbatical. Who gets a sabbatical in their early 30s? I did. You know, that's that's for the elderly, but actually I needed it because I was in a place of burnout. I was relating and identifying too much with what I did instead of who he is. And God just wanted to feed that part of me of just, God just loves me. Not for all my performance, but just because of who he is. And just of the love, he, his grace. Hallelujah. And in the presence of God would come on me while I was mowing the lawn. The presence of God came on me when I was, I was laying a concrete patio with my brother-in-law, Wayne. Let's get back to this. Paul said, no matter what my circumstances, I've learned to be content." He says in verse 12, I know how, I know how, everybody say know how. God puts us in the know-how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Let that soak into your system because this in fact is a secret to Paul's success when it came to open doors, opportunities, and the challenges that came his way. This shows us a map indication of how to track. This is the GPS on where to go with God in order to cope with and overcome hindrances. Hebrews chapter 12 says, since we have all these examples, let's lay aside every weight, every encumbrance, every pressure, every anxiety, every worry, all the weights. Weights aren't sins, they're just the the heaviness of life. And then the sin that so easily besets us. One of the chief sins would be discouragement. That's why this is a year of strengthening. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. David strengthened himself in the Lord. The Lord is the strength of my life. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. They that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. Everybody say, a great door of effective service has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. That's why we have prayer meetings here at the church, you guys. That's why I teach what I teach with the word of God as our, our sword, our weapon. It puts us in a, in a strengthening position where we can, having done all to stand, we stand. We pray for one another. We believe God as we step through the threshold of this opportunity. We're going to see the plan of God come to pass because Paul even said, I mean, I learned how to get along in humble means. I learned how to get along in prosperity. I've had easy times, hard times. He said, makes no difference. He said, verse 13. Let's stand up on our feet and read verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's say this as we go. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of you came to church today? Let me see your hands if you came to church. Several of you have. Okay. There's power in unity. One can chase a thousand, two can put 10,000 to flight. There's a groundswell in the spirit where the backslidden Christians are coming back. There's a strengthening coming upon the people who have been weakened by the difficulties of life. For the people who have had their hearts broken, he's near the brokenhearted, and I'm telling you, keep holding out. I want this to be the church that really loves hurting people, and we stand together sufficiently till we get through to the other side. We don't abandon our wounded, we don't operate as offended, yeah, that's one of the things I love about communion. When you stand praying forgive, if you have anything against anyone, as I read it, it's like, hey, get your attitude right. How many of you have had to ha- ever get an attitude adjustment? Check up from the neck up. We're the Christian faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're not playing games. We're walking sincerely with the Lord. And you know, the big deal is the big deal, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the one we want to see honored, glorified, exalted, and we want people to be put in touch with who he is. Davina got saved at the school. She thought it was Northwestern University. It was Northwest Christian School. (laughs) How cool is that? (laughs) Man, you get rescued out of the ocean, it makes you think differently. It took me about a year and a half to recover from the boat wreck. I don't know that post-traumatic stress or whatever it was, I was glazed and God helped me. And by the grace of God, we shall run the race, finish the course. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse seven, he said, I fought the good fight of faith. I finished my course. I kept the faith. So there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Not only for me, but for everybody that serves and walks with God. Opportunities are coming. It'll be good. You'll be ready. You're anointed. You're, made, you're designed for this. You're designed for this. You're anointed for this. Be, be fresh about this. Be, be strategic. You say, well, I don't know. I'm not that all that. God's going to use you. Get ready. God's going to use you. Come on. Yeah. Having done all to stand, we stand. In Jesus Name.